Okay. Counting down in three, two. Ah, yes. Happy Saturday, everybody. We hope that you're safe wherever you are, and we hope that you're safely confined inside your apartment building, your house, wherever you might be. This is MLB Morning Coffee here on Apple Pods, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Hope that you enjoyed our episode yesterday with Chris Scoops Hall and hope that you enjoyed our past couple of episodes with Kyle Banduho, Mike Monaco, Brett Ballantini, Ryan Sullivan. We had an episode recorded with, with the great Sam Levitt, as we told you yesterday, and that episode, because technology hates us, was erased. But joining us right now, the voice of the Amarillo Sod Poodles, Mr. Sam Levitt, my friend and yours. Sammy Lev, what's good down in the panhandle? Greg, well, if anything says how much I love you and how much I love MLB Morning Coffee, it's the fact that we did have those technological difficulties, and I'm back for part two, a conversation that people can hear this time, and I'm ready to talk with you, man. How's it going? You know what? I don't think it would be two minor league baseball guys chatting if we didn't have technical difficulties. Like, isn't technical difficulties dating back to our days at WNUR, isn't that like the story of our lives? Kind of, but uh, I I hope Jeff Eisenband is listening to this because you'll remember that you used to have a talk show on WNUR, the student radio station at Northwestern, called Wild Talk with Maraz and Eisenband. And you might remember, I used to go into the studio to produce that show specifically every single Sunday night. And when I was on on the board in the studio, there was no tech issue. It was a clean show. I was great. I was, you know, turning the knobs and putting the sliders up and down. And you guys had the best talk show in all of college radio. So that that was all me. I don't know about technical difficulties, uh, but, you know, this is uh, it's good to uh, have part two and uh, do it again. You know, it's funny, I still have the admin permissions on the Wild Talk with Miraz and Eisenband Facebook page, and people still like it. Like, the thing hasn't been active in five years, and people still, like, engage with the page. I mean, I'm giving all the credit to Jeff Eisenband, who is, without question, the master of social media and has more Twitter followers than you and me combined. So I'm going to give all the credit to uh, old Jeffy on that one. You know, one could argue that with the downtime you, I, and Jeff have, that we could start another show. I mean, this could be the big opportunity where we start a talk show, we talk about whatever. This could be the uh, reignition of Wild Talk. We could put it on MLB Morning Coffee. I mean, I don't necessarily know if anybody necessarily cares if we're talking baseball or not on here anymore, but we are talking baseball. That's why I brought you on. And Sam, I have to start first, and I know that I asked you a certain couple of questions the first time we did this, but so many different circumstances have changed since the last time that we talked, and I'm kind of looking at it at this point and thinking, we're going to have a baseball season at some point. The question is, how long? And I think that, and I was actually listening to uh, a sports talk host out of Chicago, a guy by the name of Matt Spiegel, and he said, you got to just cut it in half. You have spring training two electric boogaloo, as he referred to it, and then you're doing an 81-game season and probably a neutral site playoff scenario if and when you get the season started because in a lot of climates, you probably are not going to be able to do a full playoffs come October. You're from 
the Northeast. You're from New York. I'm from San Francisco, so I don't have to deal with the fall-time snow and rain or cold that you sometimes get. But, you know, we both went to college in Chicago, and we know that once it hits October, weather is unpredictable. So what do you think is the right course of action for baseball in terms of how they end up scheduling this thing once they get the go-ahead to say, hey, we can get this rolling again? I think it's totally dependent on when baseball gets started again. If that's a late May scenario, an early June scenario, I think you could look at something where you tack on games in October in the regular season. Maybe you are able to play some sort of a normal postseason or maybe have a neutral site World Series. I think it's all dependent on A, when we start, and B, how much you want to shorten that regular season if it's 81 games well that could mean you play the playoffs and neutral site games or or whatever it might be uh, a little bit earlier in the calendar Uh, if you start a little bit later than late May or early June I certainly hope that's not the case Uh, you could be looking at what you just mentioned an an 81 game schedule and maybe you do play postseason games at neutral sites in warmer weather climates Uh, I don't think that's a crazy idea I think that's something that's been reported on uh, and sounds like kind of a, a, a plausible idea that would make sense uh, in certain ways. But, you know, to be honest with you, Greg, I just think there's a lot of unknown right now. Um, you look at what is going on in the world, and, and obviously baseball is uh, just a small part of it. The whole sports world is really just a small part of what's going on. And there's just kind of an unknown of what the criteria would be to start again, both in the majors and the minors. I mean, you know, for me as somebody who works in minor league baseball and wants to have a season in the worst way, you know, my hope is that we start this thing in late May or early June uh, and have it be as normal as possible and don't look back. Uh, I'm hopeful about that. I know other people are hopeful about that, but can we predict what's going to happen here? I just think right now there's uh, so much unknown about, Uh, what's going on in the world, what's going on in our communities and in the country. And uh, it's going to be interesting, man. But, um, yeah, I just think it's hard to say. I would love, no matter what it is, whether it's an 100-game season, an 81-game season, I just want us to have a season that is as normal as it possibly could be under the given circumstances. And uh, I think right now it's almost impossible to predict how this is going to go. One thing that I was thinking about the other day, and we did this in our edition of the Daily Grounds on Thursday, you had a second Yankees minor leaguer test positive for coronavirus. You had a Red Staffer in spring training test positive. The way that pandemics work and the way that infectious diseases work, and I encourage you to go check out an article published by Nate Howard. He's a data science professor at the University of San Francisco, and he basically puts together the numbers in terms of how these types of things work and how truly, like, we use the word exponential growth, but we don't really actually understand what the dictionary definition of what that means is until we actually see exponential growth. And something like this is something where you actually see the dictionary definition of what exponential growth is. The reason I bring that up is that you're only going to see cases expand. We're recording this on Thursday for Saturday morning edition of MLB Morning Coffee. And you saw in the NBA today, Marcus Smart tested positive. Three members of the Sixers staff 
tested positive. Two members of the Lakers tested positive. Uh, there was a sports talk host in the Bay Area who started freaking out on the radio. I was listening to this. He was freaking out on the radio because three Sixers staff members tested positive, and he was in the locker room the night the last game that the Warriors and the Sixers played before the NBA got suspended. So now he's starting to worry that he may be in some sort of incubation period. Like, I feel like as more and more cases come to light, that's going to delay this process even further. And I think it's worth noting, and I'm not a doctor, you're not a doctor, but it's worth noting that just because there are more reported cases doesn't mean that cases are necessarily increasing. It just means that we've tested more people and we have more positive confirmed cases because until everybody can get tested, we have absolutely no idea how many people are out there because there are so many people that are carrying this and are feeling asymptomatic. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm reading and absorbing all this information along with you and along with everyone else, and it's concerning. Uh, it's scary. About the, the players and the coaching staff uh, receiving positive tests, I mean, you know, I think some of this almost felt inevitable, right? I mean, uh, even just a week ago, uh, before we found out that Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus, it almost felt inevitable that someone in some sport was going to come up with a positive test. And it happened, and now it's kind of uh, spiraling. And like you said, it's it's growing uh, like many experts thought it would. Um, you know, even in Amarillo, I mean, I, I heard our uh, our mayor, Ginger Nelson, uh, who does a great job here, uh, talk during a press conference yesterday because before yesterday, Wednesday, uh, we hadn't had a confirmed case, uh, a positive test here in Amarillo. But she even said during the press conference it almost felt like uh, – it was inevitable. I'm paraphrasing, but she said it, it something along the lines of um, it was something that was inevitable. And you got that feeling just of the way uh, this is spreading around the country, um, you know, and that's kind of how these uh, pandemics and these viruses work. Uh, you make a point, um, you know, on one hand, sure, could players in these sports being diagnosed with coronavirus delay the process even further? Um, I guess you could hypothesize that that might be the case. But again, I, I just think, Greg, there's so much unknown. We are dealing with something unprecedented, right, in, the, in our modern society, in our modern world of sports. We have never seen anything like this where we have a public health crisis basically bringing the world and the sports world to a screeching halt. So, you know, I'm not going to say that Players in particular, whether it's in baseball or basketball, uh, is going to delay the process even more than it would have been. Because realistically now, if these sports leagues get started in, you know, let's say late May, early June, right now it's March 19th. Uh, so that's already, you know, that's two months away still. I just think, Greg, there's so much unknown. And, and like you said, we're not doctors. Um, you know, but again, I, I just have that hope that not – you know, as few players as possible come up with positive tests as we go in any sport, um, you know, and we're able to get back to a sense of normalcy sooner rather than later. But look, it, it's concerning every time uh, you read, whether it's the Nets players or the Jazz players or the Yankees minor leaguers 
uh, having positive coronavirus tests, uh, it's concerning. Uh, and it does show you um, how widespread uh, this issue is right now and how widespread it could be. And it's, uh, you know, it's scary. And, that, and that's, you know, the reason why we're living the way we are right now um, in our, our country uh, and the sports world is really at a standstill. I asked our guest Chris Hall about this yesterday, and I want to ask you about it. There was a report that came out from Ronald Blum of the Associated Press. We talked about this on Thursday's episode that Major League Baseball is considering canceling the 2020 draft and eliminating the international signing period as a way to save money. Now, with college baseball, the NCAA granting college baseball players an extra year of eligibility, You've created a Pandora's box that, in my opinion, is going to be very difficult to close because now you have increased your draft pool by 50% for next year. A lot of guys that were going to end up signing if they were drafted this year have to wait around another year and may not want to risk another year of college baseball performance in terms of what may or may not break how much money they get. I mean, there are so many different scenarios that you can put into place here and if you do decide to hold the draft this year there are a bunch of minor league players that may not have an opportunity that already are in systems to play before they get released I mean what do you think is the right course of action for MLB if they know they're not going to get a full minor league season in like what do you do with the draft now that college baseball is over yeah I think it's a really interesting question with the college baseball season essentially being over and there being so much unknown about what this major league and minor league season is going to look like. you know look I, I don't know enough about the MLB draft process outside watching the picks and and where they go and how they come up through systems to know what the right answer is T- to the larger point about what you're saying, I thought a lot about this today. I mean, it, it, it's going to be, any way you slice it, just a weird year for minor leaguers and player development, right? I mean, if you're looking at a shortened season, you're looking at spring trading starting, then stopping, and then in some way, shape, or form starting again, how that's going to affect the major league rosters. I, I heard uh, uh, on MLB Network Radio a couple of days ago uh, them talking about the potential of especially at the very beginning of the season, whenever it begins having expanded rosters, which I think makes a ton of sense. If you're assuming that pitchers won't be able to stretch out uh, in that training as they normally would, you're going to need more pitchers and more players, and it's just going to be such a different kind of year. And on the minor league side, from the player development standpoint, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really, really interesting because you have – you know, pitchers who aren't going to pitch in the same number of games. You have hitters who aren't going to get the same number of at-bats. There are so many players, when you look at these systems, that you think to yourself before any given year, this player might make his major league debut, right? Uh, You talk about somebody, you know, somebody in the Padres system, uh, a Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore, yeah, that was what I was going to say. Mackenzie Gore is probably a really good example of that. A really good example, the number one pitching prospect in baseball. If you would have asked me, Three weeks ago, I would have said, I think Mackenzie Gore will start at double-A. If he pitches well, there's a chance that in the first two, three months of the season, he gets up to the big leagues, makes his major league debut, maybe doesn't even go to triple-A. I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I think it is going to be interesting for just, just an example, a guy like Mackenzie Gore, because, well, if he doesn't pitch in a game until, let's say, 
sometime in May or sometime in June, and the the major league season is shortened. Well, how does that affect things? You know, uh, does does Mackenzie Gore make you know uh, five starts at, at Double A and then uh, go to the big leagues, or how does the shortened season affect the way they want to call guys up and uh, use service time and things like that? I think there are just a lot of questions. Um, that again, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to, to sound like I'm copping out to the questions, but I, I think this is the reality right now, Greg. You don't know um, because right now there is so much unknown. I mean, we don't have a target uh, start date, <laughs> you know, as far as when this is all going to get back to a sense of normalcy. Um, so it, it, I agree. I, I think from the player development standpoint on the college side and the minor league side, especially when you correlate it with what the major league season is going to look like. I just think um, it's going to be very interesting. No way you slice it. It's just going to be a very, very different year. Sam Levitt, the voice of the Amarillo Sod Poodles, joining us here on MLB Morning Coffee, my college buddy and longtime colleague. And Sam, for a lot of people that don't understand how the minor league broadcaster work cycle works, a lot of guys are not in those cities all year. A lot of them are as full-time sales representatives, but a lot of them go off to different places and broadcast winter sports. And you work with all the Ramblers and a couple of other schools in the Midwest. For you, your scheduled timetable is once college basketball season, the conference tournaments are over, really for you mostly when the regular seasons are over, you get ready, you take a week to yourself, and then you get back down to Amarillo to get prepared for the baseball season. It's normally about a probably about a month time between when you get there and opening day and you got to Amarillo right when the bottom fell out of all of this what has it been like for you in your first week back in the panhandle knowing that you drove there thinking that everything was normal and then once you got there everything changed yeah it's been a really weird couple of weeks I mean I left Peoria Arizona two weeks ago to go back to Chicago spent a few days there and then On Monday, March 9th, I started driving down to Amarillo, got here on the Tuesday, the 10th. The two weeks that we went through, I cannot believe it's only two weeks. I mean, it feels like two years. You know, it's interesting. When I was driving down to Amarillo, obviously people were talking about the coronavirus, the the restrictions on the media as far as clubhouse access had already been announced, I think, on that Monday and I was listening to a lot of Sirius XM, a lot of MLB Network Radio, ESPN Radio. And, you know, it, it was being discussed, but there was pretty normal sports talk going on. And, and, you know, it's just amazing. I mean, I got down here on Tuesday, and by the Thursday at noon, I mean, everything had stopped. I mean, it started with the NBA on that Wednesday night uh, with the Rudy Gobert situation. And then later we found out Donovan Mitchell had a positive test as well. And, um, you know, by Thursday at noon, the NCAA tournament was over. MLB had suspended spring training, NHL, MLS. I mean, take your pick. Uh, it had screeched to a halt. So, um, yeah, that that was uh, quite the experience to get down here and, and try and get settled and then have all that news happen. But, you know, for me, you know, number one, I'll say this. I'm with a very good organization who treats me well. Um, you know, we have a really good relationship um, as far as figuring out how this is going to go and, and what this is going to look like uh, in the lead up to when we start playing again. Uh, so I'm really lucky in that sense. And I know, you know, not every broadcaster or minor league baseball employee uh, is that lucky. I mean, I've already heard 
you know, some stories that, that are really unfortunate, um, you know, about what has gone on and, um, you know, it, not only baseball, not only the sports world, but everywhere. I mean, this is, uh, you know, financially, economically, um, it, it's unprecedented what is happening right now. Uh, so relatively for me, I, I'm uh, in, in a relatively good situation and I'm, I'm super, super grateful for that. Um, but for me as a broadcaster, I mean, t- to me, this is happening. You know, I was bummed out a lot on Thursday and Friday uh, of last week. But I woke up on Saturday and I was like, all right, let's go. We're going to figure it out. Um, you know, you know me. I'm, I'm the type of guy who it's like, you know, we'll figure out how to make it work. Let's figure out content. Uh, let's keep getting ready for the season for our radio broadcasts. You know, I have my quote-unquote remote studio uh, here where we're doing videos. And my job as a broadcaster, especially here in the minors, is to spread the good word of Amarillo Sod Poodles baseball. And to me, even with what's currently going on, that role does not stop. So, you know, we, we have some things planned. I've been talking a lot with uh, our social media manager, Tess Bloom, uh, our uh, video uh, director, Joe Corbacero, who does a great job. We're going to have some really cool stuff uh, coming out over the next couple of weeks and, and ways to keep fans entertained and engaged and thinking about the Sod Poodles, thinking about baseball. Uh, so for me, yeah, it's a weird time. It's a weird time for everybody, sports or not. Um, it's an unprecedented time, uh, but I'm trying to stay positive, take it day by day. Yes, it was a whirlwind to come down, get into my apartment, and 24 hours later, it's just all changing at a, a mind-blowingly quick pace. Um, but I'm trying to be positive and uh, take it day by day and uh, try to do what I do, which is you know be a broadcaster, be, be an entertainer in a sort, um, and uh, you know put on a smile and, and spread that kind of... Uh, good charm and, and goodwill of uh, of the Saudis. I'm lucky that I have a mixer board and a computer and an audio editing program because right now here in the Ocean Avenue studios in San Francisco, we've got ourselves a shelter-in-place order. I can't really go anywhere right now. I go out for about 20 minutes a day. I take a jog, and then I'm confined here. I'm doing whatever research I can for the Pac-12 network at this point, and then just somewhat stay here and, and figure out what to do to create content. And, you know, it's not even content for a team. It's just content for myself. It's content to keep myself busy. It's it's trying to find ways that we can make ourselves entertained with no sports. And right now, because of the shelter-in-place order in San Francisco and now statewide in California, per Governor Gavin Newsom on Thursday night, all restaurants are closed except for takeout orders. And, you know, grocery stores, essential business are the only things that are open. I mean, like, what is the town of Amarillo like right now? I mean, I know it probably is not to the extreme that we have it here, but I assume that you're starting to get some more of that businesses closing their doors type of feel. Yeah, that's what's happened in the last couple of days. And there were some mandates uh, from the governor of Texas earlier today about restaurants and gyms and cafes and um, and those closing down or, or only being able uh, to execute on takeout orders or um, drive through. Uh, so I would really say the last 48 hours, it's ramped up a lot. Um, there were the first two confirmed cases in Lubbock. Uh, on Tuesday, I believe, and then uh, yesterday, the first two 
uh, confirmed cases uh, of positive coronavirus uh, here in Amarillo. I'm not a doctor or, <laughs> or a health professional in the area, but I, I do watch the news. Uh, yeah, it's ramped up uh, in the last 48 hours, uh, as it should. Um, you know, this is a super, super serious thing. Uh, we can see what's going on uh, around the world uh, in Europe and, and what's happening there, and we need to treat it as such. And, you know, look, for, for everybody out there, including myself, who is dealing with a lot of uncertainty, um, a lot of unknown, which is really hard, and dealing with, you know, if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have said it looks like we're going to have a, a fairly normal start to the baseball season, and now it really looks like anything. But uh, that's a really hard thing, and I understand that. But, um, you know, for, for a lot of people, uh, this is going to be a, a life-and-death uh, situation, and we need to treat it as such and treat it with the gravity um, that it deserves to be handled with. So, you know, I'm, I've spent most of the time uh, over the last really five days uh, in my apartment. Uh, I, you talk about having your Ocean Avenue studio. I got the, uh, what's the street here? Uh, the, oh my God, I forgot what street I live on. The uh, Southwest. Uh, you don't Ocean know Avenue. what street you live on. <laughs> no, you know what? I'm not like you. I, I don't, you know what? Amarillo is a small place. I don't want to give away the street, but uh yeah, you I have really my own think studio. We got that's listening to this is going to come and find your apartment in Amarillo. I mean, I bet honestly, and this is no offense to to anybody in Amarillo. I I've heard great things about Amarillo, but I don't know if anybody that lives in San Francisco could tell you one street in Amarillo. Greg, you've got a national podcast. You've got listeners all around the world. All right, now I got I do have uh, the soundboard, uh, my headset, so I did bring uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, home with me uh, to use over the next couple of weeks uh, and have some some different setups here uh, to get some work done. But you know, just quickly back to the, back to the point on on Amarillo. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely ramped up um, as far as people being uh, quarantined inside, uh, the businesses closing up, and um, things being a lot more limited. But absolutely as it should be. Um, this is a team effort, and we got to be in it together. Uh, to, as they say, flatten the curve. And, um, you know, it's a super, super serious, uh, you know, crisis pandemic right now. And, um, you know, it's going to be something, uh, you know, there's going to be a, a something in 2020 you'll never forget already uh, in our lifetime. And, um, you know, I'm just wishing for the best and, and for, for the health around the country, all of our communities. And um, we've got to take it really seriously. By the way, just to finish up on the whole streets conversation, I live on Ocean Avenue. Ocean Avenue is about four miles long, so you'll have no idea exactly where I live. But it's kind of funny. I was looking at a map of San Francisco. There are a lot of streets that go east-west in my area neighborhood that actually hit the Pacific Ocean. All right. Guess which one does not? Ocean. Ocean Avenue. Who the thunk it? Here's a fun fact for you, Greg. There is no ocean in Amarillo, Texas. Well, you know, I didn't necessarily question that theory, but if you had sold that to me on the back of a napkin, maybe I would have believed it. Maybe I wouldn't have, but I like to think of myself as an educated enough individual. And I do have to ask you, you were saying that you're getting work done in your apartment. Have the sod poodles, I know that... The Idaho Falls Chuckers, my former employer, uh, part of the Elmore Sports Group, ordered everybody to work from home. Is that a ownership group mandate? Are you guys all working from home now? Yeah, so actually, um, I've been mostly uh, in my apartment 
this week. Um, you know, I have a little bit of a different situation in the sense that I'm, I'm seasonal. Um, and, and I did bring, like I said, a lot of the equipment home, and I finally have Wi-Fi in my apartment. So I, I've been pretty much working from home this week. Um, our office is closed uh, as of tomorrow. So that's uh, as kind of the, the city of Amarillo, the surrounding areas uh, hunker down. Uh, like I said, things are ramping up in the last 48 hours. Uh, our office is closed as of Friday. So people are going to be working from home. Uh, look, there are a lot of interesting aspects to all this as far as uh, getting ready for a season and dealing with some of this unknown and some of the changes uh, that are going on. Um, but you know what? It's you know it's funny. I, I feel like the one thing that you haven't heard a lot of people talk about in all this is like, oh, I'm at home. I can't get any work done. I mean, we're we're living in a, a time now in, in 2020 where you know, as long as you got your laptop and you got your cell phone and you got Wi-Fi, uh, you can pretty much do anything. So uh, my little wrinkle is I, I need, you know, I need some camera set up. You know, I got to shoot some videos, got to be on camera. I am not shaving uh, right now, Greg. I don't know if you can see this over the video chat, but I'm, I'm not shaving. Yeah, you shaving. got yourself a little scruff, man. I uh, I don't remember a time in, in any of the years that I've known you that you've actually decided to go full beard. Are you are you trying to trying to be like old ZZ Top or, or somebody down? Like, how far is LaGrange, Texas from where you're at? Because I know that was one of their famous songs. You're trying to go with one of those whiskey beards? No, I don't, actually, I'm going to look up where LaGrange is right now. I don't even know where that is. Um, but no, I'm not uh, growing out a huge beard. Well, we'll see. I... I I've never tried, and I figure this would be the time to try if I'm ever going to try and grow some facial hair. So um, we're going to see. Um, I, I may not cut it till we play baseball. By the way, LaGrange is it's southeast of Austin. It's kind of in the triangle between Austin, San Antonio, and Houston, which is an area I know well. Actually, we, uh, you know, we actually don't go that way when we go down to Corpus Christi from Amarillo, but it's... Uh, Maybe we'll go there, Greg. You've been talking about coming down to Amarillo, so who knows? We might have a road trip in store. I'll tell you what, man. I might be getting out of California if everything is shut down for the time being. I mean, like, I want to see if I can find another means of income right now because my job is currently shut down, and I don't know if I can get another job in the state of California, at least for right now. So... And the other thing is, like, I could, there are a couple of, like, jobs, like, I could go help out at a grocery store or something, but, like, I don't want to risk my health for that. Like, good on everybody that's working in grocery stores here in the state of California right now. You are doing yeoman's work. You are putting yourself on the line for the wellness of others, and I cannot thank the grocery store workers and our medical professionals enough for what they're doing in this time, but, I mean, again... Like, did you see the the interviews the other day from spring break in Florida? Like, I just was shaking my head. And look, I know you're you're a pretty straight laced guy, and you'll get a little opinionated off the record. But like on the record, let me tell you, like, don't be stupid. Like seriously, don't be stupid. Like I saw those interviews, and I had if if I could punch those people in the face and knock some sense into them, I would. Like. The one thing I want to encourage everybody, and I said this a couple days ago, I'm going to keep saying it. Be safe. Don't endanger other people. Take this seriously. Italy didn't, and they're on fire. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I saw that too, and it's, it was just ridiculous. Um, you know, look, I, I know there's an element to this. 
you know, like I just had, you know, takeout food, um, you know, and I even thought twice about that, you know, just the interaction and is that the best thing? And I understand uh, people want to support local businesses during this time too, which which I understand is important and, and we need to find ways to do that within the constraints that, that we're all currently in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, stuff like going to the beach and, you know, going to raves or, or whatever the kids are doing, you know, on spring break these days, I wouldn't know. I'm, I'm like super old now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous. I'm with you. It was just, there's no reason for it. Uh, it it's irresponsible and, um, yeah, just it can't happen. I mean, we, you know, from, from, from the science and from what, you know, what's been reported on, I mean, this has to be as Americans, as a country, a group effort. You know, when we, we talk about sports, I mean, talk, this is like the ultimate sport, being one team, working in unison. Um, you know, and I understand everybody's situations are different, um, but but it's got to be a group effort. And, and just to uh, go back to your point on, you know, some of the folks that are working on the front lines of this. I mean, I, I actually saw on Instagram right before we started, uh, Kyle Lloyd was a pitcher in the Padres organization and was on the Sod Poodles last year. Really great guy. And I got to know his wife, Caitlin, a little bit last year. And she is a nurse in Dallas. And I saw on her Instagram story that she was going in uh, for another shift. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, I mean, you know, if, if we think this is hard, staying at home and having to adjust our lifestyles, imagine doing that. I mean, imagine being a nurse and dealing with the patients and being potentially exposed uh, to the virus, you know, kind of day after day, uh, just tremendous, tremendous respect for all those people. I mean, they're doing um, unbelievable work, and, and we have to recognize them, thank them, and, um, you know, and, and it's just, um, it's beyond words. I mean, it's um, it, it's just amazing. They're putting their life and their well-being on the line for the goodness of others. I mean, that's the goodness of people. And by the way, before we wrap up, one point, you're talking about, you know, us being old and, and spring break. Like, we never took spring break when we were in college anyway. We were always traveling to do some sort of game. Like, we were we were doing a game of some sort. That was our spring break usually. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I never went on spring break, and I don't know if you'll agree with me. I feel like a lot of people from Northwestern didn't go on spring break. Like, I, I never can remember people talking about oh I'm going to Miami for spring break or I'm going to Cancun for spring break and I think you know there are two reasons number one we were in a, a part of the the northwestern community that was maybe doing games and things like that but also because people are really spread out there I think like I always went home during that week and a half and and it was never another option not to go home because my parents would have killed me if if I didn't go home and spend and spend that week and a half with them um, so I think that's part of it too is like we didn't really, you know, go on spring break, kind of went home and did our other stuff. But we were also... I'd rather be playing golf in San Francisco than be on the beach in Miami or Cancun. I hate the beach. The only time you'll find me in the beach is when I hit an iron shot short in a bunker and I got to get out. We were also kind of those lame WNUR kids, too. So that's part of it. Oh, we were not lame. We were nowhere close to lame. I was cool. You, no comment. By the way, for those of you that are listening, and this is a story I don't think a whole lot of people know uh, outside of me and Sam. And there are a lot of people that, you know, we have uh, mutual friends. But when I first met Sam, 
the first night of WNUR's introductory meeting for freshmen, and I remembered who he was just because I was just that hyperactive freshman, like I'm trying to remember everybody's name, and I saw him in the library, and I went up, and I talked his ear off. And my goodness, he must have thought, I, I know he thought, I was the most annoying little crapper in the world. And, hey, you know, almost 10 years later, this is still a friendship. My goodness. Yeah, you know what? I got to tell you, it is pretty cool when you think about that first time we met. And I remember I was sitting in the front part. If anybody from Northwestern is listening to this, you'll know what I'm talking about. But the front part of the Northwestern Library by the computers. And Greg comes running up to me, and he's frantic, and he won't stop talking, and he's talking my ear off for like an hour while I'm trying to get homework done or whatever. Okay, it was not an hour. It was not an hour. It was like maybe 10 minutes. Anyway, so, it, I mean, I was like, I, he was. you were a nice guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. You were cool and very friendly, but I was like, whoa, that was a lot. But, yeah, you know what, Greg? You do make a good point. It is kind of cool that 10 years later – you're sitting in San Francisco. I'm sitting in Amarillo, Texas. Who would have thought? And here we are recording a, a podcast in the midst uh, of a pandemic. It's not quite 10 years. It was September of 2011. So okay. it's eight and a half approaching nine. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is amazing. Well, it's the amazing and cool part is not the pandemic part. The part that we're talking, that's... Uh, that's really cool. Hopefully, I I wish we were doing it under under better better circumstances. Like, uh, um, hopefully, we will uh, in in months to come. Uh, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's good to talk to you. And uh, you're you're and here's another thing people don't know about you. You are Mister Swag. That was Greg's nickname in college, Mister Swag. He would strut around the radio station, the TV station, just. You know, being Mr. Cool, Mr. Swag, and, uh, it, you know, he was the man. I mean, he was just the man. You want to know how you – so that was a self-proclaimed nickname, by the way. And you want to know how that – how you actually knew about that name? You and I went to the Starbucks on Sherman Avenue. So Northwestern's town, Evanston, there's a bunch of north-south streets where you have a lot of coffee shops and chain restaurants, local restaurants – Basically, downtown Evanston is kind of the who's who for where to find a college kid to get something to eat or get something uh, to drink or or study. And you and I, for some reason, I don't exactly remember. This was my sophomore year and your junior year, and you know we had gotten past the point of you thinking I was an annoying little shit at uh, inside the library, and we had actually developed a, a camaraderie at this point. And I ordered something from Starbucks. You were right behind me. And you know how at Starbucks they always ask you, like, what your name is. And I was feeling just sort of confident. I was like, Mr. Swag. And that's how it all started. I mean, yeah, it was a self-proclaimed nickname. And then I kind of went away from it. And then, like, whenever you ask me how I'm doing and you don't think I'm at my top, you're like, where did Mr. Swag go? I miss Mr. Swag. Uh, I think you may be one of the only people that still refers to me as Mr. Swag. I know, man. And when you're feeling a little bit down or you're complaining about something, that's what I say to you. I'm like, you, hey, you got to relocate, refine Mr. Swag. But he's there. He's always there in you, Greg. You just got to dig deep down and get him. Bring him out.
Mr. Swag says thank you, Sam Levitt, the voice of the Amarillo Sod Poodles, my good friend, for joining us here on MLB Morning Coffee. All right, Greggy, no problem, and uh, hope to, to be on the show again. I am a daily listener. Look forward to, to hearing the Daily Grounds segment again when that comes back and when we start playing games again. And uh, I, I pray, I hope, uh, that we'll start playing baseball here sooner rather than later, and uh, we'll have some fun. Sam Levitt, the voice of the Emerald Sod Poodles. This has been a Saturday edition of MLB Morning Coffee. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. We will talk to you on Monday. I might take some time on Sunday to decompress and figure out exactly what we're doing here. Talk to you soon.